With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. Spring has sprung and it's time for that spring project to get locked and loaded and in order to do that with some new winners and some new doors you got a couple of options you can schedule a free in-home consultation where you're going to be able to get a Pella expert out to come look at your home sit down with you discuss your budget your wants and your needs and they're going to get a game plan for you that is fantastic or you can head out to the showrooms they got showrooms in Lincoln and in Omaha great place to start as well just know that any route you go, Pella's got you covered. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza, the greatness of a Runza sandwich, because it is just, it's pure excellence, is something that needs to be enjoyed at all times. And Runza helps make that happen. Did you know Runza can ship you Runza sandwiches? Yeah, that's a fact. That's real. Runza can bake, freeze, and send a dozen Runza sandwiches right to your front door. For more information and to order, go to Runza.com. That's Runza.com. Runza makes it all better. All right. It is Friday. It is March 4th. It's about 1 o'clock. And I, uh, I've, I've gotten a lot of tweets and emails asking me about my thoughts on Trev Albert's decision to, to keep Fred Hoiberg. And, you know, I've really sat and just absorbed it over the last week trying to, you know, sometimes it's good to do that. You know, we live in the world of like, you got to have a take, put it in perspective right away. And, you know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's nice to maybe just absorb it, let it really sink in, listen to what a, a lot of, you know, what, what Trev has to say, what Fred Hoiberg saying, like, just let, just, absorb it here here's where I'm at with it after kind of being in absorption mode there are a lot there are a couple of angles and elements to to think about with this I guess first of all like am I surprised I've gotten that a lot he surprised Hoiberg wasn't fired he is surprised Hoiberg's coming back I mean here here's how I'd answer that question from a basketball results standpoint like you don't got to be Mike Krzyzewski Greg Popovich James Naismith to, to see what the results are. Like, from a basketball results standpoint, yeah, I'm definitely surprised. I mean, the record is what it is. At the time at the time of Trev Albert's decision of announcing it on the radio that, that Fred Hoiberg is, is coming back, Hoiberg's record was 7-60 against power conference foes. 6-52 in the Big Ten Conference, 1-30 on the road. I mean, think about that. Again, at the time of the decision, those were those are the the numbers. Think about those. Nebraska, Nebraska is one of the worst power conference programs in college basketball, and these past three seasons have been historically bad, even for one of the worst power conference basketball programs. Where Nebraska's had three straight twenty lost seasons, something lost seasons, something that is the first time in program history that that has happened. So. All those things are staggering to say out loud. So, yeah, from, from that perspective, I thought there was a chance that, that Fred Hoiberg was, was 
he was either going to move on or, or Trev Alberts was, was going to part ways with him. Again, purely based on the results on the court. And so, you know, with that in mind, like, I, I, I was thinking about this over the week. Like, listen, I can turn on the mic right now and we can do that whole, I, I, can, I can conjure up, can you believe, look at this, and how about the way they've rebounded and they can't, like, we can do 60 minutes of the blame game and complain game on how bad things have gone. But we've all kind of done that, right? It's kind of obvious things have not gone well, right? Even Fred Hoiberg would be like, yeah, it's not gone well. It's hard to spin it any other way. So instead of doing that, let's do let's do a couple of other things. Number one, let's try to understand and get in the mind of Trev Alberts and how he arrived at this decision. And then number two, let's try to project and figure out what will happen and what Fred Hoiberg's quote unquote plan is to to get this program back on you know, get it on the right track. Let's start with with the mind of Trev Alberts. I I think I think we have to acknowledge. Really put yourself in Trev Albert's shoes right now. Like you're the AD. You are in charge of all of the Nebraska Athletic Department. I think we have to acknowledge that Trev Alberts was in a ridiculously hard spot. Because it's not just about basketball. I know you're making a decision on basketball, but it's an all-encompassing thing when you are the athletic director. Think about this. Trev Alberts, they're in the middle of building a $150 million football facility. And the football program is in a huge spot, a huge crossroads moment. It feels like the next season for Nebraska football is, you know, it's not like you don't want to shake, be like, it's going to make or break the program, like the program's just going to cease to exist if it doesn't go well. But it does kind of feel like this next season for Nebraska football is going to shape quite a bit for the program and the fans in the short term and over the next, you know, five, ten years. Trev Alberts just got through making the tough decision to keep Scott Frost. That situation obviously comes with risk and is a roll of the dice. You have the staff changes with all the different position coaches coming in, Mark Whipple, Raiola, et cetera, et cetera. And, and now that football program is in a huge, massive, got-to-win-now season next year. We cannot underestimate the immense weight of both those things. The foot, the $150 million football facility, and this Scott Frost and shuffling up the staff, and this this thing needs to get right. The identity of the state of Nebraska, the University of Nebraska, and the Nebraska Athletic Department is the football program. And that situation is in a really, really, really delicate spot. So he's got all that on his plate, and those two things kind of up in the air, the facility, and then Frost, and next season, shuffle up the staff. And so when you combine that with the $18.5 million buyout to fire Fred Hoiberg, there's a, you know, if you're Trev, man, are you really going to flush basically, you know, $18.5, $20 million down the toilet to buy out Fred Hoiberg? Then have to go make a basketball hire. By the way, something Trev Alberts has never done, by the way. All while you you got the football situation in an enormously important spot, building this $150 million facility. That's a lot. 
So I think to a certain extent, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know, do you think there's a part of Trev that's kind of like puts his hands up with everybody and is like, what do you want me to do here? Like for as much as we're all focused on basketball right now and all this stuff, like this football thing's got to work. It's got to work. And and the reality is when you when when you have put yourself out there with some big investments and some big risks, and in this case the, the two big investments, keeping Frost with the staff changes and then the new facility that's being built, you're probably less likely to take on another risk. So I, I do really think on some level all of that factored into the decision. That's why I started with like, okay, yeah, basketball results standpoint, like, yes, that's one thing. But like, there's there's a there's always more layers and more things to it than just that. So I, I think Trev took a lot of things into consideration, much like the the Scott Frost situation that he navigated through. There was a lot to consider with with keeping or firing Scott Frost and you know, Trev Alberts, obviously he ultimately with Frost and, and football felt like, okay, the cons outweigh the pros in parting ways with Scott Frost. There are some things that are working with the football program. Let's keep those intact and then make some changes with the staff and special teams coordinator and, and maybe new new offensive mind in there, Frost to a new, all, new roles for different people. And then we're going to, most importantly, we're going to restructure the contract to minimize the financial risk with this thing and see what happens like that, that right. That's, that's kind of the cliff notes version of what happened with the football situation. Well, I think you're gonna, You're applying a lot of that same logic to a certain extent with the Fred Hoiberg situation. The Nick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella windows and doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it and how about this one, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Instead of flushing $18.5 million away, which is still $18.5 million, could they have afforded it? Yes. Right? Like, yeah. Like, whenever – something you always find out in big college – Athletics is like there's always money somewhere, right? Could they have afforded it? Yeah, but it's still eighteen and a half million dollars. So, but but it's, instead of flushing eighteen and a half million dollars away, I think Trevor Alberts like okay, let's let's instead of flushing that away, let's restructure Hoiberg's contract. He's and and revise a big picture plan with the basketball program with some changes and see what happens. And that's what he did. And that's what he did. Trevor. Al- Fred Hoiberg's buyout is is reduced to a, a I think I think it's eleven million next year. He's taking less money in his salary, like so he restructured that. I think then you're going to see some changes that we'll get to in a little bit. So the same kind of school of thought for both the football and basketball program. Although I do think the football and basketball situations are dramatically different. 
And the other thing with Trev, in a in in a genius way of kind of spinning and branding, Trev Alberts did have a great quote on the radio saying that you know Nebraska is going to be a place that supports coaches which is just a genius thing to say. And I I feel like the way I'm saying that is like I'm like he doesn't mean it. I think he means it. Obviously he does with what his last two decisions, but I think it's it's a genius thing to say. Not only because, not only because it's what he's doing, but also because I do think Nebraska has developed a reputation over the past 20 years as a place that doesn't support coaches. Nebraska has kind of developed a reputation a reputation of, listen, they will cut ties with people quick. Think about this now. Past two decades, past two decades, Nebraska has had four basketball coaches, five football coaches, and six ADs. I mean, wow, that's a lot. And that is a trend that I think Trev Alberts is keenly aware of and trying to buck that trend. And bucking that trend helps, like, it it happens to also kind of fit with his message with how he's kind of approaching football and basketball in those situations respectively right now, which, again, is smart from Trev. I think it's a smart smart branding message. We are going to be a place that supports coaches. We've been a place that has traditionally gotten out the guillotine and just chopped heads. That's been our solution to everything. So, again, I think that's a smart branding move from Trev. So so I hope I uh, – laying all that out, like there's a lot to consider. And as much as you don't want to think the football situation impacts this, like on some level, it, it does. In my, in, in my opinion, the buyout and all the different things, the financial things, balls in the air with football factor into it. And again, it probably was hard for, for Trev to a certain extent because of the results on the floor being what they were. So in terms of this this quote unquote plan, right? Trev present you know Fred Hoiberg he presented me with a plan for how he's going to get this thing going in the right direction. Now you kind of go, okay, what what could that look like? Here here's what's kind of here's what's tough. What's what's interesting is, isn't this interesting? Hear me out here. We say with with Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska basketball, they need more continuity. But the reality is, you are likely going to make some major staff changes and major roster changes again, which is going to kind of run counter to that. Now, maybe you're making these changes to then achieve that continuity, which I think is what is the, the, that, the part of the plan. But nevertheless... It feels like to me you are staring down the barrel of another major roster overhaul. And by roster, I also mean coaching staff. Which is just interesting because it's like, got to get some continuity. It's too much of a revolving door. Too much roster turnover. Too much turnover. Got to get some continuity. So what's the plan? Blow it all up. Tons of, you got to get all new people in here. It's just kind of weird, right? 
I get it, but I still think it it bears being pointed out. Because, listen, I think there's a chance that Fred Hoiberg changes two to three assistant coaches. I think that's a very real possibility. And then with the players, I mean, I, th- I think whenever you lose a lot of assistant coaches, you you tend to lose a lot of players. And then I, I, I also think there's just going to be naturally guys that move on. I could see all of these guys not on the roster next year, either because of, obviously, graduation or they just leave. Bryce McGowans, Trey McGowans, Alonzo Verge, Kobe Webster, Lat Mayen, Kaysay Tominaga, Keon Edwards, Trevor Lakes, and then maybe even Derek Walker, who's already graduated. I mean, that's eight, nine, eight to nine scholarship guys. I mean, did I list anybody that you that that you screamed into your to yourself? No, that person's not leaving. McGowan's brothers, Verge. I mean, Verge is gone. Lat Mayan's gone. Kobe Webster's gone. I think Tommy Naga's gone. Keon Edwards has gone on a milk carton. I I think there's a chance Derek Walker's gone. I don't know. I mean, maybe Derek Walker's the one guy. That's eight to nine scholarship guys. So again, it's just a it's a weird dynamic of clamoring for continuity and then likely seeing more roster turnover again after this season. But like I said, I think sometimes you gotta really you gotta make I think some of these changes could be in an effort to to find continuity. As weird as that sounds. So, I do think you're going to see some staff changes. Like I don't know how you kind of run it back with this staff completely intact. I mean, I think that's a part of what Frost felt like, you know, not only did he, there was evidence mounting to the contrary and there's same thing probably with basketball. It's just it's hard to say, you know what, going to run it all back. And I've, t- I've talked about the, the Nebraska staff. And listen, it's nothing personal with those guys. Like, I think all those guys individually, good dudes, uh, good coaches. But I've, I've said this about a week ago on my podcast that I think Fred Hoiberg needs to make some changes to the staff with finding guys that complement him where he's maybe a little uh, – he's not as strong. I think Fred Hoiberg needs to think about that. I think Hoiberg needs to get him – first of all, I think he's got to get more hands-on with recruiting but certainly likely needs to find some guys that are, are recruiting guys, really tied in dudes. And then also, Fred Hoiberg, he needs to find a hard-ass defensive coach, someone whose expert, expertise lies on that end of the floor and is going to get after the players. Because, again, that's not who Fred Hoiberg is. Fred Hoiberg is an offensive-minded, calm, cool demeanor, not going to yell at you and bite you kind of a coach. So what you don't need is another offensive-minded, cool, calm coach. You you already got that. You got that. So I'm not sure if he wants to maybe move Doc Sadler back onto being that full-time defensive guy or go get someone else, but you got to fill that need. Somebody over there needs to think, wake up, think about defense, think about toughness, thinking about holding these players accountable and getting these guys to play with the necessary amount of urgency, fight, toughness, balls, guts, heart. Like, you got to address those things because all those things are lacking. 
And maybe at the NBA level, you don't got to, you know, you don't got to get after Draymond Green to, hey, go play hard. You don't got to get after Zach Levine. Go play. Hey, Giannis, get after you. You probably don't have to. those are those are grown professionals. But I'm sorry, with with 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, 22 year old dude, like you got to get after their ass. You do. You got to hold them accountable. You got to hold them accountable. And then the other reality is this. Nebraska needs an upgrade on talent as well. And we'll likely have a lot of roster spots to fill. So what – I was thinking about this. So what you also will potentially see – keep an eye out for this. What you also could potentially see is Fred Hoiberg going and hiring – assistant coaches who are package deals with bringing a player or two. Kind of what you saw on the football side of things with Mickey Joseph bringing Trey Palmer into Coldest Crawford or Brian Applewhite bringing in the TCU running back commit A.J. Allen or even on the basketball side, just one example of this. So Shaka Smart, when he took over at Marquette, he went and hired DeAndre Haynes, who was at Maryland. He comes from Maryland, who did Haynes bring with him to Marquette? Daryl Morsell, the reigning Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. And he's at Marquette. Like, something like that. I think you could see something along those lines unfolding as well for Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska. Where you're kind of looking at coaches not only from their perspective, uh, like the, the perspective of their individual skill set, but also a player or two that is attached to them and, and, and coming with them and ready to produce. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at White Castle Roofing, and I've owned two homes in my life, one in Omaha and now one in Lincoln. And both times, when I had some damage to my roof, White Castle Roofing was who I trusted with the job. I had some hail damage to my roof in Omaha. White Castle took care of that and did a great job. And then I had a leak with my skylight in Lincoln. My guy Ben from White Castle was able to come over, take a look at things, get the pieces needed to fix it, communicated every step, and boom, the crew was over and knocked it out quickly. Done and done. The crew was amazing, man. They're fast. They're efficient. They were awesome. Cleanup was a top priority. And most importantly, they did a fantastic job. You can't trust just anyone with your roof. And trust me, you can trust White Castle Roofing. Check them out online, whitecastleroofing.com. That's whitecastleroofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust. Proven by time. And then, you know, in a perfect world, Fred Hoiberg, if, if, if in fact there's going to be multiple staff changes, you find someone on the staff who has some Big Ten ties, someone who has a good feel for the league. I, just, I do think that stuff tends to make a difference. So we'll see. We'll see on, on the, the staff front. Again, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you are going to see some staff changes. I'm assuming that you're going to. I just I have a hard time being like, nope, everything's staying in place on that front. So we'll see how those we'll see how all that plays out. That's how I maybe see the needs from the staff and and what that could look like. Now, as as far as the the part of the plan with style of play and the roster. First of all, you know, Bryce McGowan's is the first name that comes up in these these conversations. First of all, I don't think Bryce McGowan's is going to come back to, to Nebraska. He's a projected first-rounder. 
Uh, and the reality is, I've seen this a million times, the reality is the more you stick around in college, the more the NBA tends to pick you apart. I, I think Bryce McGowan's has improved a ton this year, but he still, don't get it twisted, man, that dude still has a long ways to go as a basketball player. And to me, the more he stays around, the the holes in his game will get slid under a microscope. A lot of the holes right now. Well, you know he he's young. He, it's he he's just a freshman in college. He get all that'll get better. Well, you know he's not too locked in on defense. Well, he's young. He's young. He'll be fine with that. Well, he's he's physically he's not quite that. Well, he's young. You know you get like all of a sudden all those things where you have a ready made answer for. They, they, they then become like, well, he's not defensively, not good awareness, not a lot of, not a lot of buy-in on that end of the floor. He's not physically very strong. Like all those things now become like, ah, I don't know. I just think now he's got that maximum amount of potential and kind of the unknown to him. And to be honest. I gotta phrase this right. I don't think it's a huge deal if he doesn't come back. Like, because I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he's a winning player yet. There's a big difference between you know, people. People like to lazy lead you. Well, how many points did he score? They equate someone's value to points. Well, he's averaging this much. Not to minimize points, but like watch the games. Like I'm big on that. Like I've, I've, as I've gotten, like, is he? A, I, I, it's one of the phrases I use all the time. Like he's a winning. That guy's a winning player. Meaning, like, what, what he brings to the game, what he brings to a team, like it, it impacts winning. I don't even. He can score. Fuck yeah, he can score. Dude gets buckets. And and listen, he's got a ton of potential. His length, his his touch, his athleticism. But I also think it remains to be seen if he simply kind of fits into that category of an empty stats guy who kind of fits that basketball saying of every bad team has a leading score. And I'm not meaning for this to come off as anti-Bryce McGowan's. Again, to me, he has really improved from game one till now. That guy has really improved. But I guess I, I'm just I'm not in the camp of Hoiberg has to get Bryce McGowan's to come back. Eh, I don't know. I don't quite see it like that. If he comes back, great. I mean, you yeah, you still you you need to put the ball in the basket, and he can do that. But I guess I'm not if if there's an announcement that Bryce McGowan's I'm I'm going pro. Like I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think that means like well Fred screwed this with this plans now crumple it up throw it in the trap no. I don't think I don't see it like that. I don't I don't quite see it like that. But beyond that, like Nebraska has some major holes to fill on, on this roster, and that's an understatement. I mean, I sit I sat down this morning to write down the needs on this roster, and it's like, pff, I mean, where do you even begin? Like, you, you start with Nebraska has to find a way to get some more size inside to deal with the Big Ten bigs. They, I mean, they got to at some point have legitimate size inside to not get crushed in the paint and owned on the glass every single night in the Big Ten. Nebraska has to get a pure point guard, something they have not had in three years. They've yet to have that. Cam Mack, year one, 
was too erratic. Delano Banton was never a pure point guard, couldn't shoot, slowed them down. And Verge is a scoring guard who's never played point guard in his career, and they're trying to make him into a point guard. Nebraska has to go get a real point guard. The other roster need, three-point shooting, which is just amazing. Nebraska has to get some real consistent shooters. Not only because that's that's how Hoiberg is built, but because they have just been really poor in that department this year. Even if you weren't like a team that was built from beyond the three-point line, like you would look at what you need and be like, got to go get some shooting when you look at how this team has shot at percentage-wise this year. Basketball is tough when you're a poor three-point shooting team. It puts so much pressure on everything else. Go look at all the bad three-point shooting teams. Any any one of those teams that are actually good teams, look how good they are probably in all the other areas. Defense, rebounding, rim protection, defending the paint. I mean, look at Creighton. Creighton's been... This has been an uncharacteristically bad year from three. They're in the bottom of the Big East in threes. But this is they're the best defense, according to Ken Palm, in the Big East. That's how they've won games. And it's just, yeah, it's maddening with with so far where just Nebraska just whiffed on on shooters. You know, Kavas was supposed to be a shooter. No, Lapman was supposed to be this. Remember, it was he had that one drill where he hit like 80-some threes out of a hundred or whatever in the offseason, and he's he's hasn't shot it well at, his, at Nebraska. Tominaga, no. Just a lot of guys who have come in as like, yeah, this is the guy. Hasn't happened. And then lastly, kind of talking about projecting what this plan could be, Fred Hoiberg needs to try to find some legitimate core guys. Some real program guys. A core group, a core player, and listen, that player doesn't have to be the most talented guy in the world, but a guy that can be the foundation and be all in on Nebraska moving forward. And preferably, that player has some natural kind of toughness to them. Someone like a Paul Mulcahy at Rutgers type guy. No one would ever say Mulcahy's the the toughest or the best player on Rutgers team, but like, dude is tough. And he's, and he's a program guy. Or someone that you're going to see for years to come, like Chucky Hepper. We talked about that. Guys like that, where their intangibles are off the charts, they're all in on the program. you got to covet that, value that, and seek that out on the recruiting trail. You do. So obviously, they're going to have in this plan, they're going to have a lot of needs to address on the, on the roster. And then maybe the most interesting thing to me is how much a part of this plan that Hoiberg presented to Trev Alberts has to do with any stylistic or philosophical changes on the floor. Because the Big Ten is a unique basketball league. It's the most physical league in the country. It's the most big man dominant league in the country. In a basketball world that sees the pure centers becoming endangered species the big 10 is like a throwback where it's like their best players are their five men old school centers it's not as free-flowing and high scoring as the big 12 or the pac 12 it's a different league so how do you wed the hoiberg identity of how he he 
the offense, all that stuff. With navigating what the Big Ten is as a league. That's a tough question to answer. Because I think I think Iowa is kind of the case study for for the for a team who's probably most similarly built to what Fred Hoiberg wants. Fast-paced, offensive-minded, kind of one-outscore you kind of a team. Not necessarily a big, bruising, physical team. And they've been able to get it done, relatively speaking. They've recruited and developed at a high level. Luca Garza, Keegan Murray, Joe Wieskamp's in the NBA. They, they've also had a steady diet of high school kids into the program that, that, that have developed, that have stayed, and that makes a difference. They've gotten shooters. So to me, I guess it's not impossible to have the big to have success in the Big Ten being a fast-paced, offensive-minded team. Like I don't think it's one of those things where you go, man. If if you're going to have success in the Big Ten, you better get a seven-two, three hundred-pound big guy, walk it up the floor, throw it into him. Like I don't, I, I don't think that's a that's a an absolute. So I don't, I don't think it's impossible to have success in the Big Ten being a fast-paced, offensive-minded team, but it's certainly against the grain of what is the majority of the approaches in the Big Ten. Most other Big Ten teams are built to grind you, be physical, have great big, slow the game down type of teams. So it is a different way to approach it. And I think the most fascinating element of this new plan is, is this, what we're talking about. Like, you don't want Fred Hoiberg to not be Fred Hoiberg and all of a sudden sell out to a style that he doesn't know or feel comfortable with. Like I just, I have a hard time feeling like Fred Hoiberg. He's he's now going to be like, we're going to play two bigs, we're going to walk it up the floor, we're going to run a set play that pounds the ball into the post, and we're going to win with our front line and defense. Like I just don't see that. Like they're always going to be an NBA flavor. Going to be five out handoffs, pick and pops, fast paced, heavy threes, and shots at the rim, kind of like a team. The, the question is, can, can Fred Hoiberg find a way to do all of that and still deal with the Big Ten grinder bigs? I think you can, but it's hard. There's no doubt that it is challenging. There is no doubt that it is challenging. So that's how I kind of see all that. Much like Football, Hoiberg restructured his contract, took less money, reduced the buyout, and that will be followed by, what would you you would assume, staff changes, and there'll be subsequent roster turnover again. Will this work? I, I'd say at this point it's probably, I mean, there's a lot of things that got to go right. It's probably a long shot. But the one thing about basketball is you can turn things around pretty quick. It's... It's a little different than football or maybe some other sports. Basketball, like you get two, three players right, you get the chemistry right. All of a sudden, in a short amount of time, you can catch a wave of success and momentum and hoops. So it's it's certainly not impossible that this thing can work. And we'll see how it plays out. Be interested to see once we get more details on what this plan is, is there going to be staff changes? How much roster turnover? What do the new coaching staff members look like? If, in fact, you do make changes, what does the roster look like? What does Fred Hoiberg say about his plan? The Nick My Podcast is powered by Runza. New menu item alert. It's back. The Ruben Runza is officially back at 
Runza. It is everything you love about a Reuben wrapped up inside the greatness of a Runza sandwich. Talking corned beef, Reuben sauce, sauerkraut, Swiss cheese, all inside the deliciousness of a Runza sandwich. So you need to drop everything you're doing and head out to Runza and get your Reuben Runza game right. My dad, Rich Baugh, he approves. Big Reuben Runza fan. So get like my dad and get a Reuben Runza today. You can even order it in the app. Go to the App Store, download the Runza app. You can order a Reuben Runza. You can order rewards, by the way, and have a delicious Reuben Runza waiting for you at the restaurant where you skip the line and get right to getting your grub on. Again, new menu item alert. The Reuben Runza is back. Runza makes it all better. Two last things on on this, and then we're out of here. Some people... Not everybody. Some people criticized the timing of the Trev Alberts announcement that Fred Hoiberg is coming back. Somebody says, oh, why would you do that now? You still got games to play. Why wouldn't you wait till the end of the year? I don't know what. Now, it's easy to say now, but I actually liked the timing of doing it on, I believe it was on February 24th with a few weeks left in the season is when Trev Alberts made the announcement that Hoiberg is coming back. And the reason I liked the timing is because it addressed the elephant in the room. It addressed the elephant in Pinnacle Bank Arena. That elephant being, what's going to happen with Hoiberg? I mean, you're probably like me. You, listener, I'm talking to you. What was always, anytime you talked about Nebraska basketball, what was, the, what was probably the number one thing, that first topic that got brought up? You think Hoiberg's coming back? What do you think is going to happen with Hoiberg? What do you think Trev's going to do with Hoiberg? Do you hear about the buyout? Right? Like, let's not be disingenuous and not act like that wasn't the, the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth thing that everybody talked about as it pertained to this basketball team and this basketball program. And in my opinion, that that was a cloud hanging over the program for the better part of the last month and a half, two months. And when that big of a decision and cloud is hanging over everyone, it weighs on everyone. It has to have weighed on Fred Hoiberg and the players and everyone around the program. And so I think the announcement somewhat lifts that burden and weight. And addresses the elephant in the room so everyone can then forget about that and try to focus on the moment. Uncertainty can crush a program. I remember when I was on the radio, I criticized Bill Moose for years when he would let Tim Miles just burn in uncertainty. Listen, I wasn't necessarily the biggest Tim Miles fan in the world. I thought by the end of his tenure, I love a lot of people have a revisionist history on the Tim Miles era. I mean, a lot of people went to one NCAA tournament, two NITs, won one postseason game, one in seven years. Let's not act like Tim Miles, you know, like, listen, he was pretty amazing. Really? I don't know. Listen, he he, he did a lot of good things, but I just, I mean, seven years. Let's not have a revisionist history on that. But I, I bring up Tim Miles say, like, I also criticize Moose. I'm like, you either need to fire the guy or support the guy. Fire the guy or support the guy. And that's kind of how I felt about with, with Trev. I totally get letting this season play out to the point that it did, but it got to the point, in my opinion, where it's like, you either got to come out and say, this guy's coming back and here's why, or you got you to gotta part ways. But when you let someone burn in uncertainty, it can just it can it can kill the vibe of you know, team and program. It really hurts recruiting. It just isn't good. And in my opinion, Trev Alberts clearly had enough conversations with Hoiberg, and he had his mind made up on what he wanted to do with Hoiberg. And these last few games weren't probably going to sway anything one way or another. 
then just announce it, address it, move forward. So I, I actually liked the timing. And what's interesting is, I'm, I'm taping this again on, it's Friday, March 4th, and Nebraska at this point has won two straight games in emphatic fashion. They hammered Penn State on the road, and then completely controlled Ohio State from start to finish in Columbus and won on the road. Two straight road wins in the Big Ten. And I got to tell you, I am shocked that Nebraska was able to find a way to win those two games. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was on the call on FS1 on February 13th at Iowa when Nebraska got absolutely destroyed by the Hawkeyes inside Carver Hawkeye Arena. And I... I thought at the time Nebraska looked like a team that has totally quit. They looked like a team they were they were packed it in, they were done with this season, they threw in the towel. I didn't think Nebraska was going to win another game and I thought it was I thought it was more likely they were going to get beat by 15 to 20 in every game for the rest of the season than it was that they would win a game, let alone two games. So, I am extremely surprised to see Nebraska go out and not only win two games, but dominate two Big Ten teams. So, what has changed? Well, I think a lot of it, we tend to overcomplicate basketball at times. I think a lot of it comes back to they they shot it well from three. They made shots. Like, last two games from three, 13 of 20 against Penn State, 9 of 23 at Ohio State, combined 22 of 43 from three in the last two games. A lot of it is that. We can sit there and, and go cross-side with different things on, like, actually, I think it's this. It's, I mean, they made, they made 22 threes in two games. They went 13 of 20 on the road at Penn State. Like, you're going to win a lot of games if you do that. But there, it's, it's always, like, how you arrive at those shots. I do think Nebraska executed better, shared the ball better. They've taken better shots. Their shot selection was better. They took the right threes. And I do feel like Fred Hoiberg has kind of settled in on a rotation as well. The guards he he's playing are Bryce McGowan's, Alonzo Verge, Trey McGowan, CJ Wilcher, Kobe Webster. And then the bigs are Derek Walker, Latman, and Eduardo Andre. And that's basically it. Five guards, three bigs, really riding a top seven, sprinkling in Andre a little bit here and there, off to the races. Tommy Naga is basically out of the rotation. And when your rotation is tighter and more nailed down, and you take better shots things look better. Then I also think making threes has pumped some much-needed energy and fight into Nebraska on defense and on the glass. Because I think, I don't think there's any question that I think over the course of each game and over the course of this entire season, season, missing threes and missing shots really impacted this team's energy on defense. And the reality is this. This team is too undersized and lacking in the physicality department to not play with great energy at all times. And then on top of that, the three-point line is how this team is supposed to be on paper built. And it's, it's arguably the biggest part of how they want to attack offensively. So when threes aren't falling for this team, which they haven't throughout the entire year as a, except for the last couple of games, it's kind of a double whammy. It's supposed to be their strength offensively. And then it also impacts their energy on defense, which then magnifies and amplifies their weaknesses and deficiencies 
as a roster and on defense. So I think a lot of it comes back to the three-point line and the domino effect of making threes. And for me, like, trying to finish the season on somewhat of, somewhat of a strong note, I still believe is really important. This, this program is still in dire need of some positivity and some good vibes. These games still matter kind of on some level. And if Nebraska can keep this rolling for and maybe find a way to win one more game or something like that and play well, I think that goes a long ways for morale with everyone, fans, Fred, the players, whoever comes back, everyone. It's been a, it's been a long year. We, I've seen a lot of bad Nebraska basketball seasons. This one has felt like the longest and maybe the most grueling. So, again, I, I really thought this team had quit. I'm, I know it's always tough to throw that Q word out there and all that stuff, but I thought this team had flat-out quit. So, at least on some level, it's good to see them pick themselves up and, and fight. We'll see how the final week of the season wraps up. Then we'll see, then beyond that, what this plan is that Fred Hoiberg has that he presented to Trev, and if it includes staff changes, what that looks like, the roster, the plan, stylistically, all that. Going to be an interesting, interesting thing to track for Fred Hoiberg and Nebraska basketball. A Huda Media Production.